welcome to another episode of So You Think That Was Good Do You, a podcast where we take a look back at the films from your childhood and question the absurdity of their universes. My name is Evan, and as always, I'm joined by Sam and Carl. How tall are you, boys? <laughs> it's kind of related to oh, the very movie. Good. You've thrown us off. You've also I you've thrown us off by I'm editing this one. And I, I can feel how much that clipped your microphone yeah, when that was you loud. blasted out that hello. <laughs> I really mean to moderate myself. Yeah. Every week you practice, but you practice very quietly and then <laughs> scream as soon as we start. Because you have to get yourself... Get the adrenaline. Yes, in the moment for it. And I know what Evan I've got to be, and it's that Evan. The one who's all the way up there. As a short king, I guess my answer will be five foot ten. <laughs> Somewhere about the same height, right? Six foot. Well, uh, six foot two, well yeah, absolutely towering over a, over Carl at five foot eleven. Oh, Stumpy Carl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's not about my height. That's not why they call me Stumpy Carl. Well, well, if you haven't guessed, and I don't know how you would have been able to, this week we watched 1997's The Borrowers, starring the boy from Jumanji. John Goodman, and a bunch of people from Harry Potter. Do you know who all the people are from Harry Potter, boys? There were three. John Goodman wasn't the boy from Jumanji, was he? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, hold on. If there are three... Okay, I've really stupidly forgotten his name, but the dad borrower. Yes, yes. So that is... He's got a name that just slips right. Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent, yes. Just the most normal man name ever. No, the most normal man name ever is Mark Williams, who is the other one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then the third one's little, little Draco Malfoy. Tom Felton. Yeah, so Mark Williams is Exterminator Jeff. Uh, Jim Broadbent is Pod Clock. Oh, we'll get on to the fucking names in this movie. Awful. And we'll talk about the names, I'm sure. Tom Felton is the little pea green clock. As always, we'll get started with a lovely plot synop. <laughs> this is a bad one as well. Very confusing. Children's author Mary Norton's storybook creations, the four-inch-tall family of borrowers who live among humans and co-op their possessions. When a crooked lawyer takes over the lender family's house, he's got to reckon with the borrowers therein, who launch a campaign to oust the invader and restore the home to its rightful tenants. Four inch. No, they were were seven seven inch at least, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's about average, actually. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, a a terrible one. Uh, just that first sentence is just so unreadable. Children's author Mary Norton's storybook creations, the four-inch-tall family of borrowers. Yeah, that's that's painful to yeah. that's painful to listen to. Well, there you go. That's the beginning of the episode for you, Sam. You take over from didn't, here, I believe. Didn't go for the AI one then this time. No, I didn't. I've been using it all day as well. I started using it for work. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Fuck it. Let's fire right into the plot then, shall we? We start off the film with a wonderful five solid minutes of opening credits. They just go on and on. Yeah. I don't know if you two noticed. But oh, and not even I never the do. pro of there being some sort of footage behind the credits. It is just black screen, names coming out here, pictures and yeah. logos of movie studios you've never heard of and certainly don't exist anymore. Fucking attack in your eyes. Initially, it's just black background, but it just keeps going and going and going. But while that is, you know, 
while we're watching those, in the background, we've got uh, the human boy called Pete. <laughs> and the specification of human boy will become clear shortly. So Pete has um, set up this kind of weird Rube Goldberg style trap that is, it's got various little mechanisms and wheels and spinning things that eventually leads to, I mean, I don't really know what it does. It kind of sets fire to a little toy of his and then chops a banana in half. It's um, a really weird contraption. It has like decapitation, burning in acid, exploding, electrocuting and crushing. (laughs) He's, He's brutal. This is early years serial killer stuff. He's his absolute psychopath stuff. He gives off this vibe throughout the entire movie. This boy is just the live-action version of Sid from Toy Story. Yeah. He is. It just so happened that before this, I watched an interview with Jordan Peele, and he was saying that the only difference between comedy and horror is the music that's playing. And that's all I could think of whilst this was happening. <laughs> because it was very happy, upbeat music, but he was just planning how to murder the unknown pests in his house. Normal children I think stuff. quite a lot of this film... Someone could do a good edit of the whole film. Yes, Color grade it a bit, chuck some music on it, and it could be sinister. But while that's happening, uh, we, yeah, we then see um, the mum has also been caught by some weird little uh, thrown-together mousetrap that he's made as well. So he's hidden this shit all over the house. Yeah, he put it in the tumble dryer. Why would We can't analyse the, uh, the thoughts of this little psychopath. I'm going to come out of the gate earlier and say he wants to catch and fuck his mum, Sam. That's the kind of kid we're dealing with. <laughs> okay, well, without any other evidence, we'll say that that's what it is. Okay, that's all I need. But while he's trying to murder unknown pests, he's waylaid because the whole family has to go on a fun little outing to the lawyer's office <laughs> to discuss their dead aunt's will and testament. And this is like the first time we get to see a little bit of the outside world. And I really want to know, where are we and what year is it? Because oh, I'm very confused. I've got the that exact same thing written down. <laughs> when is it and where is it? Every single car is like a 1950s Morris Minor. Every single one. Yeah. And yeah. it seems like an old English town, but they're mm-hmm. all driving on the wrong side of the road for that to be. And half of them speak in American accents and half of them speak in English accents. Yeah, there's no continuity with the accents. Not even all. within the fucking family. <laughs> it's just <laughs> odd. <laughs> Yeah, and when, I don't know if you notice, later on we sort of zoom out from the street they're in and you get a matte painting of the city mm-hmm. in the back and it's just like a cluster of eight brick skyscrapers. Mm. What What is this supposed to be, this dystopian nightmare of a place? You're like, yeah, you've got your famous American actors in this, you've got your John Goodman, and then just a plethora of well-known English co- like character actors. You've got Hugh Laurie later on. We have American dad, English mum, American child. Odd. And then um, English uh, stowaways? I don't know what to call them. Yeah. English accented uh, uh, trespassers. Don't need to assign nationalities to these monsters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the um, what we're talking about, the, 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 the town, it seems like quite a small town in attitude and stuff. But when it pans up, it's kind of a heavily industrial... Yes, hmm. yeah, everything's very uh, glimmer. It's very reminiscent of James and the Giant Peach when you get the sort of city backgrounds of that and it's all very mm. groggy and horrible and it looks affluent, but everything's in shades of grey. Anyway, while we're critiquing the believability of this city, uh, <laughs> a family of apparently four-inch tall borrowers are climbing out of the wall. Um, so en- enter the borrowers. We've got 
the dad pod, who played by Jim Broadbent, yes. taking his children, Arietti and Pea Green. And if I can help it, that's the last time I'm going to say those names because fuck that. Awful. What what are they references to? What is it for? I know this is a book written. Well, I mean, Pea Green and Pod, I, I understand. I can get those two. Sure. Arietti, I, I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Not a clue. Girl and Draco. Yes. Because this is Tom Felton in his apparently first ever acting role. Trivia courtesy of Carl. How it's not his last, I do not know. Just Oh, I thought he was all right in this. Grating. I hated them all. It might be because <laughs> they are so little. Uh, I feel like I have to sidestep the terminology here so that people don't think that I, I hate all little people. That is not the case. This Ooh. film gave me nightmares as a child. The, the way you said that God can sake. definitely be cut. <laughs> Either side. <laughs> I don't know. They grossed me out, and this was a difficult movie to watch. We're going to the lawyers, right, Sam? We uh, Well, at the moment, I just wanted to say, so that the, the borrowers are climbing out of the wherever they are, the wall, the little mouse hole in the wall, because they need to steal a battery. I don't know why Pod decides to bring his kids out for this. But they immediately fuck off, uh, climb up the freezer, and head inside to steal some ice cream. And the girl, Arietti, gets locked in there. Cut to the lawyer's office. I have a point of contention about how the borrowers are introduced. Because of their weight, uh, their strength, and how they operate confuses me. Because he throws a little pin up onto the milk jug, and he somehow pulls himself up onto that table without that jug falling over. So that establishes their light, yeah? They've got the yeah. bones of a bird, hollow. That's sure. fine. We can leave that there for now. Secondly, he checks his watch to see what time it is because the humans run on the schedule. So they have the technology and ingenuity to make a tiny watch for himself, but everything else they have to borrow. They can't make anything else apart from tiny time-telling does, devices. Does that mean they go to the lawyers every day? <laughs> Just lawyer visiting time. We've got half an hour. <laughs> this is their yeah. This is their window. So they can do stuff. The daily visit. Okay. Yes. So the the lawyer's shady office. fucking lawyer. Do, do we do we own the house yet? No. Okay. You're home. Let's see tomorrow. I'll be back next Tuesday. <laughs> well, yeah, they do get to the lawyer, Ocious P. Potter. Great. Name. AKA the lawyer, AKA John Goodman. I mean, Jesus Christ, what an amazing character! But he is very obviously, very suspiciously claiming that. Oh, there wasn't any will. Yeah. There was no will left. And because your aunt didn't leave a will, that means your house is mine. Yeah, this is what I didn't get. So if you don't have a will, your lawyer gets your house in this world. Yeah, I don't think that's how that works. No. Although this is set in a fake, weird fantasy world, so maybe that's how it works in this place. Do you want to hear the worst joke ever conceived that just popped up in my head? (laughs) Go on. If there's no will, there's no way... But that's your house. That's not even your joke. He says that in the in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> does he? It's taken, lifted from the scene. <laughs> oh god! This is the level that you're working at. Is borrowers level the writer of the borrowers? Oh, this movie that shit. you hated. Well, apparently that's your level of humor. <laughs> what my entire yeah. personality is based on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, shit. Okay. No, I just recorded that without thinking about it then. Sorry, boys. The other thing that I like about this is that his plan, since he's managed to steal, effectively, the house from them, his plan is to bulldoze it and use the land to build an apartment complex, which must be a very small apartment complex in the middle of a residential area. (laughs) 
And in his mind, if he accomplishes that, then he'll be able to take over the rest of the city. Yeah, tenuous. He, he wanted to get 16 people in the space where there was previously one. I thought they were going to do more with that model house that he showed them, because that was borrower size. I thought that that would be linked in some way, but no, it's just something they made for the movie. That would have been a great yeah. way to <laughs> live up the here. End of the film. Yeah, good point. But no, they don't. That's that's it. That's his evil plan. Uh, he's explained it to them, and that's that. They have no recourse. They've got to go home, pack up, and fuck off. Yeah, eviction times in this world are in hours, not days like anywhere else. Yeah. Can't, can't find the will, so... Like, uh, so there's the way out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. <laughs> Thank you. So they, they they head back and we see them... I didn't get either of their names, but... Oh, it the doesn't mum and matter. dad human. Yeah. No, it doesn't. They, uh, we see mum and dad oh, human walk back in the door. I got their names for one reason, and that's because they are Mr. and Mrs. Lender. Yeah, and oh. they're called The Borrowers. Yes. And I'm so clever. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, but they're not important. And also, they're two no. people who, who look like they're... They should. They're people who almost look famous, but oh, I don't know where I'm going with this. It's hard, very hard to describe. You have to watch the movie and see that this almost looks like Gina Davis and Hugh Laurie from Stuart Little, but then just like the discount versions of that. The Gina Davis. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping Sam would cut that. Now Excellent. he's got to keep it in for that joke. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he does. It's nowhere. There's no no will. There's no way. <laughs> So we're just cutting the first 10 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome. <laughs> but yeah, so so they're back, they're back home. Humans are back. They walk in the door. And um, so Draco has fucked off back home under the floorboards. And Pod is trying to get Arietti out of the freezer. So he pushes down the, uh, the button of the toaster so that it springs back up and flings him over to the ice machine. Has he been stood on it for about three to four minutes? Yeah, he's been stood on it. As soon as this toaster pops, I will be over there. (laughs) But they, the the humans, walk back in the room as he does this, and let's remember, four inches tall. That's that's pretty big. Sizable. We can all agree that's pretty large. Quite large. Yeah. I mean, we learn like rules of borrowers very like the first time we introduce these characters, and the first two are borrowers are never seen and borrowers are never heard, and he is seen and heard. Instantly, because they, yeah, the, the, he turns around as the toaster pops and watches a small man fly across <laughs> the room into his fridge. Yeah, he lands on the little... climb up the ice dispenser. Yeah, well, he doesn't climb; he fucking force jumps up there. <laughs> he does. He did a bit of parkour across the kitchen earlier, so we just believe that that's okay. They're good at climbing, so he he breaks the first rule. He's seen and catapults catapults himself across. Where so. Him and Arietti are stuck in the ice machine now. Well, yeah, I, some, I don't know how they get out. We never find out. This is the first instance where their physiology doesn't make sense to me. These people have the bones of birds, as we've established, <laughs> and he's holding up what is the equivalent to him as a rock fall. And he's completely fine. He wedges his little toothpick in there, but that's not holding it either. So after they've escaped, somehow, his little toothpick yeah. thing gives way, comes out, along with all the ice, and the mum finds it and kind of questions it. Mm. No one questions the massive ice cream tub attached to the KitchenAid that they used as an elevator that must still be there. Yes. 
<laughs> and all the pieces of string hanging about. I think that's why... All the dental floss all over the kitchen, yeah. They establish Pete as the um, like an inventor, as the trap maker at the beginning. I don't think really that's anything to do with catching the borrowers. That's to explain away, oh, sometimes the borrowers leave things about that look like they could have been made by a kid. Yeah, the random oh, And also every 90s movie has to have an inventor in, so it fills that quota. It was after Flubber, so they had to have an inventor. Would you like a piece of nothing trivia? Fucking please. Uh, the boy who plays Pete plays Pete in this and Peter in Jumanji. And those are his only famous oh. roles. There you go. I, I did see that he was a guy from Jumanji. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I'd forgotten that he was called Peter in that. But, and his career kind of petered yeah. out after that. Oh, oh my God. Okay, I'm going to keep saying useless stuff. That's perfect. Girl, and you're going to keep saying good jokes. You're holding this pod together at the moment. <laughs> So my role is just to set Carl up. Nice. 39 episodes in Uh, and I finally know my place. (laughs) And speaking of stupid pods, the borrowers get back. Oh my God, I've done it again. (laughs) (laughs) They get back home under the floorboards. They're fine. They managed to escape. Not for now. Draco is now uh, just chilling in a chair and eating a marshmallow that's bigger than his head. It's enormous. I mean, they must do all right for food. And they must have diabetes. You know, I'll, I was going to say it later. I'm going to say it now. All we see them eat this entire time is sugar. He eats a marshmallow here. They, the mum serves up dinner in a minute, which is just a raisin with some cereal, mm. which better, but still basically sugar. And then later on, Pete gives them some dolly mixtures. Dolly mix for those who oh, aren't. That's what I was trying to think familiar, of. Familiar is sugar compressed into a shape, covered in sugar. <laughs> covered in sugar. It's the only thing they eat is just sugar. So where do they get tiny little insulin injections? (laughs) Do they have to steal those from clinics? I don't know. Now we're slowly building the physiology of these. They must produce more to cope with the sugar. (laughs) Oh, bloody hell. But I will also mention at this point, because this is our first look inside the borrower, you know, quote unquote, the borrower house. I want to say, serious point, the props that they use to build this are amazing. Yes, yeah. The saving grace of this movie is the effects, the practical effects to make these actors look small. Uh, Mm -hmm. Awesome. The sets and the props, really, really good stuff. Impressive. It just just all fits together. It works really well. So props to them. (laughs) Intended for that. Can I be stopped? <laughs> but um, Mum decides to vacuum, which is, as we find out, outside of the normal schedule, mm-hmm. and which causes a bit of chaos for them. Yes, and either that's the strongest Hoover in the world, or these truly are bird bone monsters because they get sucked to the ceiling. Yeah, in whatever world this is, the Hoovers are powerful. Because the, there's another time later where they use one that almost sucks them from halfway across the room, and like. My Hoover can't pick up hair off the floor. Where can I buy one of these? Well, all those skyscrapers in the matte painting of the city are owned by Big Hoover, Sam. That's who runs this world. <laughs> it's because they're all German-made. I'll explain later. Do you have to explain that one for me? <laughs> I think you do. Oh, no, I'll explain it... later. Oh, okay. Is that going to come... Oh, that's going okay. to come back up later. Okay. What a setup. Uh, well, let's hurry on so that we can get to... Carl's what I'm sure is going to be a wonderful theory. We Yeah, so same scene. We also get a little nugget of lore, which is that there used to be loads of borrower families hmm. in the house, apparently. Hmm. But there's an implication that we don't want to say why they left. We have a murderous child in the house, so we can start making assumptions now. 
that those traps may have mm-hmm. been put into use. But yeah, we had the overmantles, the furnaces, and the rafters. Yes. So why do the clocks live in the floor then? <laughs> I mean, well, just... yeah. Also, that that's confusing. But does this house have a furnace? Well, that's why the furnaces are to leave. <laughs> oh, my so it's also explained here why borrowers want to stay away from humans because the dad is adamant that they they squish they squash borrowers uh, at yes. first sight, uh, and the, the boy kind of I don't know if he's met the girl yet. He's not, has he? Not yet. No. Okay. Yes. Uh, but this is where some weird thing is being built in the background where. Surely at some point, humans knew about borrowers. And to give the borrowers this kind of legacy of being afraid of beans, as they're called in this movie, which I fucking hate, that there must have been some sort of genocide or slavery of the borrowers in some way. Or just <laughs> there must have been a genocide. Uh, you know, well, if they were, you'd get them all together, you'd make them fight for fun. When you get all your mates around on a Friday night, you'd all bet on the little borrowers. There is something like that going on in the background. I, I was speaking to Cole before I watched the second half of the movie because I had to split it into two. About how this reminds me of Stuart Little in a big way, where there's this, and here comes the word I used, Carl, dichotomy between humans and this sort of subclass species that's still in the it's movie. It's a semi-unknown, but... a sort of semi-mythological... Yes. Whatever they are. The only difference between this and that is that in this that people are surprised by the borrowers, but everybody's absolutely fine with seeing a little rat boy in the orphanage and still a little... But yes, that's just my my theory for this, <laughs> and maybe we'll build as we go throughout. Yeah, and the um, what they I mean, obviously they they survive, they subsist by stealing from humans yes. and gaslighting them. They should really call themselves the gaslighters. <laughs> oh, we'll bring this back. Which... I'm only borrowing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'll bring this battery back when it's dead. Yeah, is this a thing we can just get out of the way now? They don't mm-hmm. fucking borrow anything, and they make you think that. You've lost it. So, Sam, yeah. that's it, I think, for this episode. If we were to replace <laughs> the borrowers with another name for this movie, another title, The Gaslighters is perfect. Yeah, that's good. That's Yeah, that's an option. We'll see if anything else well, crops Yeah, we'll up. see how we go. So, taking inspiration from Karate Kid, we cut ahead to nighttime. And Arietti <laughs> is going to bed. Uh, or being put to bed, but she's too bored to go to bed, in her own words. So, so she grabs a little birthday candle stub and heads up to Pete's room uh, to sneak through the wall and watch TV. And he's watching really old TV. This kind of cements that this is set in the vague past. This is another thing, yeah, that added to the when is this set question that keeps coming up. All his toys are old toys. He's watching a black and mm-hmm. white TV. But the TV is in his room. He's got a TV <laughs> in his bedroom. But it's an old black and white box. I think I can't prove this in any way because I've not done any research. Why would I? It's probably an effort to make the movie feel timeless in a way. So you can't connect it to any one time. So, you know, you can always watch it and feel like it's a classic and it's relevant to you now. It doesn't achieve it. But a movie I recommend people watch that does that really well is It Follows. Have either of you seen that? Mm, Rings a bell, but I don't think I've seen it. It's a horror movie about a... Uh, it's a creature that's invisible to everyone else, only you can see it, and it's always following you. And if it catches you, it kills you. The only way you can pass it on is by having sex with someone. <laughs> uh, and then it follows them until it kills them and comes back to you. But it's a movie that 
you can't really tell when it's based. They've got these weird flip phones that were never really made. It's like 80s synthetic oh, music, yeah. but all yeah. the, the clothing is quite modern. It's good. I mean, my theory was that they they set it vaguely in the past because they didn't want to pay for the rights to any of the movies or TV shows that he would be watching. So they <laughs> just use old clips that have, you know, gone public. Yeah, but my thing too. Also yours. <laughs> Um, while we're on the topic of this little monstrosity moving through the walls into Pete's room, almost called him Alan, this is a point of contention for me. She gets on the little tape measure uh, and she flicks the switch so she flies up. We've established they've got bird bones and weigh nothing. And we all know how hard those tape measures hit the, the container. Oh, absolutely. Once you <laughs> hit there. She should be a little fucking blood drop on the ceiling, not safely at the top of the elevator. That's your point of contention. Not that she lit the candle on a live wire whilst holding the metal wire. <laughs> yes, that also bothered me. <laughs> also, how do you explain to the insurance people that your house is burnt down because of a tiny person living in your walls but holding an open flame to your house made of wood, as all American houses are? If this is or English, America, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all the buildings in the background are brick, and all of the. Walls that we see are made of wood, so... The skyscrapers made of brick are sickening. Disgusting to look at. They they are disgusting. (laughs) Awful. But we'll come to that. Anyway, getting back to it, she's on top of his cupboard now, with all of his toys, uh, watching the TV, but she accidentally knocks one of them off. So his head whips around, you know, he's... You know, he's been hunting God knows how long for years. And now he's caught uh, scent of her. And now he gets the, you know, he gets the feeling that there's one there. So he climbs up on top, looks on top of the cupboard, but somehow he doesn't see her and he backs off. So she, thinking that she's safe now, I guess, goes to retrieve the little candle stub. Absolutely don't. You don't yeah. need to. That would not yeah, but, have okay. given you away. If I looked up on no. a shelf and found that, my brain wouldn't go... Tiny people in the house. <laughs> I mean, you realise we're talking about a boy who creates machines to capture tiny people in the house. Yeah, he's He'll already use onto them, yeah. He's, so already... he's already killed five families. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, so she heads back out to grab a little candle stub and obviously he catches her. Of course. Slams a tin over her, gets her like a spider with a bit of card and a tin. And finally, after however long he's been chasing and getting gaslit by this little borrower he's caught one so he drops her into a glass and just has a perfectly civil conversation with her a couple of fun little facts boys the toy she knocks over is apparently the exact same toy from the indian in the cupboard which is about toys coming to life turning to little people (laughs) and then when he puts her in that glass jar it's on top of a buck of gulliver's travels i didn't catch that trivia Uh, those are good facts um a lot more people know about the Indian in the Cupboard than I previously thought. People talk very about good it movie. quite a lot oh, yeah. on Twitter. I'd never heard of it until you mentioned it for this podcast. And then podcast. you vetoed us doing it. it. <laughs> yes. Well, we can do it at some point now, I think. We've got our footing. So Peter's finally caught this prey that he's been chasing after. And Arietti immediately crumbles over the complete lack of pressure and hands over not only her family, but her entire family tree and friends and everyone. Fortunately, his reaction is, oh, well, we're moving. Do you need a hand? Should we take you? Well, because you framed it in that way, Sam, you, you made it sound like he wanted to help them to get to the new house. And, but all he's thinking really is, hmm, I'd like to keep this. 
I better take it to the new house with me. <laughs> That's all. He's not trying to help. He just wants to stall them at the new one. To set up more traps. <laughs> to make sure that he's got something to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> How will he get hard otherwise? Maybe that's it. Maybe it's like a cat that catches a little shrew just and then play with it. Just toys with it a bit and yeah. then lets it lets it go broken and battered. Go on, run again. <laughs> <laughs> but he does let her go. Uh, and she goes back to her family and spends about 10, 15 seconds convincing them until they're on they're on board as well. And the next thing you know, the morning after they found out that they're evicted. The moving van is all loaded up and they're ready to go. Um, yeah, I don't get this truck. His parents don't seem not well off. Yes, they're losing the house, but because it's been stolen by this bank guy. But the truck they've got has got a huge hole in the floor. Honestly. I know it's just a <sighs> contrivance to put the borrowers at risk. Upkeep of vehicles in the 1950s slash 90s was apparently not very good. <laughs> when is this movie set? Why has this van got a hole in the floor? Why is every car a Morris Minor? <laughs> I don't think we I don't think we see the hole in the base of the van until the ironing board falls over, which incidentally also absolutely annihilates the yeah, little the like plastic um, oh, yeah. plastic container that they're in. So I don't know, this thing's made of lead or something. Maybe it just punches right through. World's strongest hoovers, world's heaviest ironing boards. We're going to construct yep. this world in our heads as we go. World's lightest <laughs> monsters and a lot of dog shit, as we're about to find out. He So Pete, Pete has got them into this little plastic container, ready to move. Uh, and yeah, loads them up into the back with some dolly mixtures to eat. <laughs> then he gets into the front with his parents. It sits three, so he's... It's a 10-minute drive. It's not like they were driving to a new city. Yeah, they, it's they, one they, mile. They didn't need feeding. What is the metabolism on these little things? Like, like like a hamster, they'll be dead if we don't feed them in between setting off and getting there. Getting the fucking sugar shakes. It's a one mile trip and yeah, the, he gives them some snacks and a walkie talkie so that he can check in on them on this 10 minute trip. A walkie talkie which he sits directly next to his mum, holds it up and just talks at full volume into. Yeah. I'm, and presumably, like, walkie-talkies emit sound. Yes. She can hear them talking it back. It's not just her son having a toy that he talks into and they with his imaginary friend. They Who's sound this like grown adults? man you're talking to, son? Yes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a grown man he's talking to. What? what? Who are you talking to? Oh, it's just the man in the back of the van. <laughs> oh, but the ironing board does fall over, punches a hole right through the floor of the van, and Arietti and Draco fall out. Draco's straight into a big old swirly pile of shit. Why? Who's that for? I, I read Why? I read before this started that it's Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis both turned it down because of the crude humour. And I, like, I was watching the start of it going, it doesn't seem that crude. And then, yeah, that happened. And I was like, ah, okay, that's what they meant. Well, this was a bit crude, but... Well, oh, it goes downhill. It should be fully described because he lands in the dog shit and then there's this moment where you're afraid he's going to be hit by the, the the wheel of the van, but it's one of those split wheels. And From it how goes... you've been talking, I don't think you're afraid that he's going to be squished. I feel like I you've been for it. Of course he was, yes. I would have stomped them all already. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, it goes over him and it pushes the shit up around him until he forms like a Greek statue of shit within it. And we've got to assume that he reeks of dog shit for the rest of the film. Oh, they already stank of shit, the horrible little things. <laughs> they haven't got a little shower down there, have they? 
I don't like them, if you can't tell. Even now, <laughs> no, I can tell. however don't old worry. I am, they like, it's like styrofoam to me. Scraping teeth. Oh. oh, okay. Interesting comparison to use, but I get it. I get it. Horrible, squeaky little things. Mm, too light. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Hollow bones. <laughs> That's probably where we get the technology for lighter ironing boards is from when these borrowers are fucking operated on. <laughs> Finally, our trucks before, are safe. <laughs> is this a before hollow ironing boards, but after plastic walkie-talkies? <laughs> We're narrowing it down. <laughs> so the humans head on to their new house, ignoring Sorry. their mental son. We don't have to call them the humans. <laughs> we I don't do, to call them. Because borrowers the are not humans. The okay. lenders and the borrowers. Okay, fine. So the lenders head to the new house while the borrower kids go back into the old one. Along with, we find out, Potter, the evil lawyer. So he's so Potter heads into the house that's now his and he's tapping his way along the wall because he knows that there's a hollow spot where the will is. And as he's doing it, he's recounting in full the conversation that he had with her where she revealed to him that she hid the will not, in the walls. Not just recounting, with voices. Well, the voice. as we learned in The Karate Kid, the best way to deliver exposition <laughs> on a character's history, background, backstory, is to have them roleplay it in front of you. Yes. So yeah, he reenacts the conversation, doing the voices and everything. He's knocking along on the wall. He finds his hollow spot. He breaks in with a hammer. He finds a safe in the wall, opens said safe with a stethoscope, and then whips out his fucking flip phone. When is this set? <laughs> I did not see the flip phone. Oh, I didn't catch the flip phone. I don't even think flip phones existed when this movie came out. I is don't... this the first flip phone? I don't know. There were Wait, no flip on. phones in 1997. Was it one of the big black ones with a little flippy bit on the bottom? Little silver thing. The... Little silver thing. They predicted the Motorola whatever it was. The Razor. Thank you. (laughs) The Razor. Oh, God. Mm. Flashbacks. Um, But he's... So he's retrieved the will and he's used his... Well, actually, no, he doesn't get the Razor out just yet. He's got the will and uh, he's trying to burn it. But his lighter's not working, so he's heading off to get some matches. Uh, And while he leaves the will on the mantelpiece, uh, Arietti and Draco, uh, (laughs) understanding the plan, understanding what's going on in full, uh, head out, grab it, pull it into the vents in the wall, which he obviously sees. I mean, how were they hoping that that would go down? (laughs) Of course he sees them. They hide behind the will, like that's Mm -hmm. less conspicuous. Um, So at this point, after after this has happened, we cut back to Pete, who realises that, oh, he doesn't realise, he speaks to the parents in the back of the van, little borough parents, and they find out that the kids fell out back at the old house. So he hops on his bike and heads back. Yeah, and this is, like you mentioned it before, Ev, this is where we first see the city or town. (laughs) And we zoom up and every single house is identical. Everything is red brick. We can see in the distance a bunch of full red brick skyscrapers. and horrible. Three or four zeppelins. Oh, now I see the connection to Where the fuck is this? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch the zeppelins. This is. I did not either. But everything is so grey. That's a keen eye. Yeah, this everything about the way everything is a symmetrical town. All the cars are the exact same car, and then the zeppelins that are in the air. Uh, it just 
makes me think of. Am I connected? Do you want someone to connect well, the docks for you so you don't? Sound but you know like what I mean, though. Like that, like the Volkswagen yeah, is. This is Germany won the war. The car of the people in the yeah. This is where my brain is starting to go. Yeah. Now that you're saying it, in a short while we are introduced to Hugh Laurie as a policeman, and he, as a policeman, not not yet. We will get there. I, I've got. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, okay. Okay, so he heads back. Yeah, Pete heads back to the house where Potter has now called in exterminated Jeff. He's he's pulled up some floorboards. He's seen the little borrower house under the floorboards and he's calling in exterminated Jeff off the TV. It's not exterminated Jeff. He's he says Go on. Well, he says extermination is my middle name, so it's exterminator extermination Jeff, right? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Oh shit! Also, they talk a lot about exterminating, don't they? What does it remind you of? Hmm. Oh, oh, maybe we'll get there. But I'll, no, I'll hear nothing not. bad said about Mark Williams. He, I love his part. He shows up straight away, immediately dressed as a cross between the Ghostbusters and uh, some guy in an ice cream an parlor. ice cream man. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. He's got his uh, weird. I mean, it's, it's a Ghostbuster gun kind of thing, which he smashes into the wall. And like spaffs out some burning goop. Yeah. Which like, I guess he's going to fill yeah. the house with. It looks like kind of like so, insulation would be. And if you want to get the will out of the wall, which Potter definitely <laughs> does, that's the last no, thing he, he does. Do, he it? just wants it destroyed, doesn't he? So that's fine for him. Oh, he does. Of course. Yeah. But what yeah. I'm thinking, what I was thinking more is what if you don't want the whole building knocked down? Now it's just full of weird goop in the walls. I mean, surely those gaps in the walls were for a reason. God, I'll just have it all now full of this weird cement. Fortunately, fortunately, that doesn't matter because he is just going to bulldoze the entire house to build his apartment complex for some reason. Well, yeah, but not to ruin the film for everyone. The lenders do get this house back and are now living with this hazard inside the wall. <laughs> They've always had yeah, hazards in the They've walls. got to deal with this. And we see, it's like, it makes some progress. We see it like... Pushing out of the vents and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how houses are built, but that can't be good. <laughs> Can I add to the little theory we were building earlier? Because I was genuinely starting to get this idea that is this a world where like America joined with Germany in the war? Then is that why everything's so oh, Americanized? Is this, is this okay? Because as Pete oh. is riding back on his bike, like. Places have slightly Americanized names, like what you'd think as a normal like pub in England would be called like the Old Red Line or something. It's called the Sleepy U, just the letter U, Motel. That's not a fucking word we use. No, Motel is not a word we do here. There's something going on in this world, and it's weirdly deep for a kid's movie about tiny I'll, people. I'll run with it, yeah. No, I like it. It is. There's more than enough evidence so far. And if you factor mm-hmm. in the bird bones too, yeah, we've really got something going. <laughs> Little Nazi bird bones. <laughs> oh, there's the name of the movie. <laughs> Quick, boys, write these down. Okay, back to the film. Jeff is exterminator, extermination. Jeff, thank you. Is yeah, blasting his goop into the wall, and he's kind of gone into it. <laughs> And he's gone into kind of a trance-like K-hole, which he cannot be woken from, because Potter's trying to get his attention. So he grabs him on the shoulder and shakes him, trying to... 
I don't know, get him to stop or to give some feedback. And his response is to spin around and kind of, for a long time, Bukake blast him with burning foam nice. in the face, which kind of puffs up and hardens and he rips it off and gets the moustache with it. No reason for that, just... That was just a bit of a gag, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what a lot of the shit yeah. in this movie is going to be. There's a whole sequence I'm sure we'll glance over later, but we're, all the stuff in the dairy factory and all of that is just goop humour. Like, as it if is. they haven't exactly. fucking killed that joke in this movie already. So they, uh, the borrowers have escaped, the, um, the borrower kids have escaped at this point and they've headed upstairs and they're looking down on the two that are down there who see them and head up and start smashing apart the wall to get at Arietti and Draco. Um, and they're kind of guessing, just smashing their way through the wall, trying to grab them. They smash in, they manage to get Draco, whip him out, and chuck him into a light bulb, which he's grabbing onto. So Arietti kind of loops around, drops that tape measure from before, and uh, gets him to grab onto it, pulls him up into the ceiling, and they manage to finally escape. I want to hit something here because I really enjoyed Mark Williams's performance as exterminator extermination Jeff. How he seemed equally as astounded and interested in the existence of borrowers when he's staring at the little bag that he hooked off uh, Draco with the hammer. Yeah. But then he's like also just absolutely fine with torturing and killing them because as soon as Potter says, are you just going to stand there and do something while he's looking in amazement at this little tiny bag, his mind just sort of snaps straight away to pointing at the light bulb like why haven't we just considered this right away let's burn the little prick and then he just flicks right, we it. just melted the cunt yeah he's amazing but yeah oh yeah that we can reference in episodes that never came out yeah it's just very funny to me but then indicative of what i was saying earlier like it's almost second nature for humans to want to kill these little things <laughs> for some reason give me more on that there's the better movie tell me why they're so disgusting other than the reasons in my brain that i know it <laughs> this film to analyze why uh, the superior humans of this non-specific country want to exterminate the inferior race well yeah since carl is able to think on a higher level than me now i know why <laughs> yeah oh don't worry more evidence to come <laughs> Uh, I will say, what, since you mentioned it, yeah, Mark Williams' character in this really reminded me of his character from... Um, 101 Dalmatians. I forgot the name of, from 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, yeah. Which he played Very alongside similar. Hugh Laurie. Who is also in this Speaking movie. of... Speaking of Hugh Laurie... <laughs> what a segue! But just very quickly before we get to him, the, the borrowers escape, the kids escape out the, uh, out the roof, and Jeff and Potter head outside, because Jeff has got his secret weapon that he's going to show, which turns out as the hands-down number one worst running gag in the film. He opens the back of his van and we see Mr. Smelly, the farting dog. That's the extent of the joke. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. This dog eats a lot of cheese, so he farts a lot. And it's like a bloodhound. It'll sniff out the borrowers. Why you would need that as a pest? I suppose to find pests around Except a house. usually but... you're hired to go to the house where pests are, so usually the dog must just go, yep, they are here like they said. <laughs> yeah, you probably probably don't need a, a bloodhound once you're in the house where you, the pests you, are. Usually people don't go, oh, I think the pests got out of the house, so can you track them down across the <laughs> can city? Can you chase them down? <laughs> the mouse got out, but yeah. I want it hunted down. Unless that's the kind of sick world we live in, in this crazy, crazy world, whenever, wherever it is. 
<laughs> I think we probably do. It probably where there's an exterminator who's particularly adept and has a dog that's particularly adept at um, going into houses and finding the hidden occupants living under the floorboards. Maybe there's more to it. <laughs> Hmm. I guess we know what happened to the rafters. <laughs> Pretty extensive diary they kept. And frankly, we shouldn't dig more into the fucking Moving fantastic. on. <laughs> Moving on to what we've all been waiting for, which is uh, both Potter and Jeff now get um, confronted by Hugh Laurie, the local policeman who sticks his nose into and everybody's business. We do need to talk about Hugh Laurie. Uniform. The do. uniform, yeah. First of all, whenever the fuck this is, he's wearing a wired headpiece in his ear, which I found odd at first. And then I was like, oh, that's a very military-style cap he's wearing with the plastic brim. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. black, that's odd. Are those knee-high leather black boots? Is, and is, is, that, that, is that a submachine gun? <laughs> <laughs> With a bullet belt a and a pistol on his badge, he's got a fucking submachine gun. Yeah, what is, is going actually, on? I didn't see yeah. that. I thought you were just running with the joke. No, there. he's got a submachine gun, a pistol, a full fucking Gestapo uniform. I don't know. Is there a is there a <laughs> skull on the badge on his cap? Unfortunately, it is just he says the bad guy? police. <laughs> Weirdly, not the bad guy. Uh, but yeah, yeah the- he's a very nice bloke. Other than that, other than the. Yeah. The big Nazi look. I was so proud of myself when I noticed the weird earpiece. It's like, I, oh, I that, that's yeah. a hint at something, is it? Oh, is that a fucking machine gun? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, this world is fascinating, and I want to know more about it. The level to which they built up a world we never see. It, it's on purpose. There's no yeah. way all of these things are accidents. All of the, there's, two, there's the, one too many things. Yeah. The borrowers are the biggest a definite one. allegory for some thing when you consider all the other things going on. It's fun though. <laughs> it's fun. Other than those huge allegories embedded within this movie, other than that it's just poo and fart jokes which is such <laughs> a strange combination. I feel like they must have finished the movie and it was just full of references to Nazis and someone just went, it's meant to be a kids movie you're going to have to go and add some stuff and they just went, oh, Cheese, poo, and farts, I guess it is then. <laughs> yeah, so Hugh Laurie, he does confront them, but he doesn't really do anything. He just, he leaves and heads off. Pete and the borough adults just about get to the house in time to realise that everyone else has left and is now tracking across town to get to the new house. So the kids, are, the borough kids are heading there. Potter and Jeff are giving chase. So we cut back to them and see that they've, they've made a, what we can assume is a decent distance they seem to be in the middle of town. Draco manages to slip and fall again down yeah, he is. a drain pipe straight into a little milk bottle that's lying on the floor. Arietti is on a one-hour escort mission. Yeah. The most yeah. useless NPC walking next to her. So annoying. Yeah. Walks walks faster than she walks, runs slower than she runs. Yeah. Runs into enemies. No health bar. Absolute nightmare. P. Green has died. Mission failed. Yeah, and um, but before they can before they can pick him up, Hugh Laurie returns again. He's barely left, and he's right back again. And he's gone and picked up some face cream yeah. for Potter, and then kind of hunted him down across 
the town. Well, to they, get it they to know it. everything that's going on in this Big Brother Watch town, I'm sure. They're but surveilling the entire town. I'm convinced this movie was trying to say more to me when he, he brought him this cream, said it's really good for burns. I use it all the time. What does that mean? That means something. What's he burning? That does mean something. Bugging me. And the this has gone back a bit, but the reason he was called over, he said that someone had reported a disturbance at the house, but they're just like knocking through the walls and stuff. It's nothing too big. Even that yeah. is quite everyone ratting out everyone just in case, just so they like they're like in line with the regime. That's yeah, what's going on. Absolutely. Here. Surprised they didn't ask them for their papers. I'm going to watch this movie again, you know, with this in mind. Yeah, just to piece this together a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, while he's uh, interrogating them, checking their papers <laughs> and handing over the cream, uh, the milkman shows up, perfect timing, picks up the bottle containing Draco, uh, stows him in the milk float. And uh, so they head off, they chase after the milk float. Uh, Arietti goes down the drain as well, following him. And then she meets Spud Spiller. Spiller, yeah. yeah. Who, who Spiller, must, which is just a grim name. Who must just represent La Resistance. <laughs> <laughs> the underground, literally. Absolutely, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, he is the resistance. And he takes her down into the... Uh, underground the, the Railroad. Underground, <laughs> the Underground Railroad. <laughs> <laughs> the underground roller skate <laughs> which is a roller skate with uh, an aerosol on top yeah that he <laughs> and a team flies like... around town on yeah yeah um, and he knows that they're heading to the dairy yeah and we yeah. see the uh, milk cart heading towards the dairy as well and on the side of that dairy it says double dutch dairies 1999 when the oh, fuck is really? this movie set? It <laughs> came out in 97. Why does it say 1999 on it? What happened in this world? Unless Who they thought them? that a lot of shit was going to go down in the next two years. <laughs> but there are flip phones. <laughs> um, bit odd to have a dairy in the middle of a city. Oh, not this city, mate. <laughs> That's pretty oh. standard. Every other house is a dairy. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a possibility that everything outside this city is now just the wasteland, so cows have to be within the city confines. Well, I was going to say, I mean, if I can throw in my incredibly shit joke, we see all the milk, but we don't see the cow. Oh, that's so good. Should we just call it? Should we just call it that? Should we just quit? <laughs> anyway. Everyone converges on the dairy. I don't know dairy. what this episode is. <laughs> this is fucked. Yeah. Everyone, everyone converges on the dairy. Draco's now on a conveyor belt. No one's seen that there's a small child inside one of these bowls. So everyone, so he's on the conveyor belt, and the two borrower kids, Arietti and Spud, are chasing after him, trying to, trying to get him out. So uh, Potter gets in there as well and locks the door. And his plan is to stand at the end of the conveyor belt and smash each bottle one by one as they slowly head towards him. So they see that this is happening, and they lasso their way kind of away from him towards a lever that is kind of a convenient hook to get away from him. He sees what they're doing. He doesn't care. He keeps smashing bottles. No, no, he does. He sees, he cares, and he starts smashing bottles quicker. But the conveyor belt is going no faster, so it makes no difference at all. Yeah, it's, it's not doing anything different. He just nope. starts, yeah, smashing them faster, as if that's going to speed things up somehow. 
As if uh, each bottle is waiting for him to smash it to move along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously it doesn't. They, they swing away. They manage to get hooked onto the lever. Camera pans out a little bit and we see that the lever is labelled just cheese. So they pull it down and the cheese pipe that's hovering directly over Potter blasts him with molten cheese whiz. Yeah. What? The, the, the cheese pipe that cheeses onto the floor, like you do. I don't know but what yeah. this place is. When we entered, just, I thought this is just where milk bottles went to be cleaned before they're reused for more milk. Where you'd imagine they go to a farm or wherever farmers hand there over There are no milk farms anymore. Also. <laughs> what is the milk then? Weird thing about this world is that I'm pretty certain the voiceovers that you hear as the milk cart arrives in this dairy are all in Dutch, which is weird for... <laughs> well, sorry, it's normal for a place called Double Dutch Dairies, but it's still fucking weird. Do they only They're... hire Dutch people? Do they force them to speak Dutch? Everyone lives in this one final city now. <laughs> there are three mutant cows who produce <laughs> two do milk, one does cheese. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing that bugged oh, me. Oh, that's horrible. Very American like in cheese, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the stuff that gets left out and solidified into the American cheese singles. They call it mm. cheese whiz. Oh, cheese whiz is the liquid stuff in the can, isn't it? It's a tough in the cat. They call it cheese whiz in the film, which, I mean, I don't, we don't have that over here, so I don't really know what the consistency is, but I'm going to assume this is an accurate I representation think of it. Like, it's a whipped cream can that you spray out of, but it's a bit thicker than that. Ugh. Sure. Okay. Which tracks with what we see? What's the primary so, food ingredient for this culture now, other than sweets? <laughs> <laughs> you Sugar get a big bowl of sweets at the end of the day and you cover it in cheese and those are your two food groups. <laughs> That's the food pyramid. And then you watch your neighbours out cheese the window. Sweets. <laughs> sweets are delivered by Zeppelin. <laughs> you only get sweets if you've ratted out a neighbour this month. <laughs> so Draco is sti- Draco's still in the same bottle. Nothing's happened there. So he's uh, drowned in milk. You Cat mentioned Bukaki earlier, to be fair. I did. Second instance. Uh, Too khaki. Oh, nice. Uh, and, then, and then the cap goes on and he gets taken into a different room. Meanwhile, by the way, uh, we're getting the finale of the Mr. Smelly storyline, which is he just gets distracted and starts eating an entire vat of cheese <laughs> and he's left to it. That's all we see. See, that it's thing like from said, earlier was important. It's, it's yeah. Completely pointless. To be fair, you're not going to share the sweets you get from ratting out your neighbours with your dog, so the dog only gets cheese. The dog only gets the cheese, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the borrower parents, pardon whatever the wife's name is. Never learn it. Uh, they swing up, they zipline over and save Draco just by smashing the bottle that he's in. Simple enough. But then Potter manages to catch all of them together. So he manages to catch all of them. And instead of just killing them there and then, he gathers them up, sellotapes them to the cheese trough where all the cheese gets blasted into. (laughs) (laughs) Trays that get delivered to the households. It's just it's a single trough that runs all the way through the streets of the town. (laughs) (laughs) And you come out, you get a ladle full in the morning. Cheese gets to our street. (laughs) 
That's why they were sad about moving. It was much further from the dairy, that house. <laughs> it's flowing. Yeah, once, by the time the cheese gets to you at that part of town. God, it'll be near lunchtime by the time we get our cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely filthy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So he, he tapes them to the, to the cheese trough. <laughs> to the cheese gutter and he doesn't pull he doesn't pull the lever he sets a timer and then he leaves he heads off to town hall because he's got the will he's got what he wants now there's a way so <laughs> that's a great job he, he leaves and Pete flies in to save the day uh, just before the timer goes off and these miniature people get blasted with the cheese cannon I can't believe the shit that's coming out of my mouth by the way <laughs> <laughs> Just before, just before the timer goes off, he manages to divert the flow of cheese whiz away from the family. People are now going to yes. have to not eat for a day or two because of all that wasted cheese whiz. I mean, yeah, they're all going to... But by the way, this is middle of the day and no one is working in this dairy. There is no... Everything is automated in it's this empty. dairy. It's all automated. In fact, the... The only engineering flaw in this dairy is that they built two cheese pipes, one that goes into the trough where you need it, and the other one that just empties onto the floor. <laughs> we, we see four jobs in this world. Lawyer, receptionist, policeman, and milk driver. Exterminator? Oh, oh exterminator, and I suppose yeah. there is also exterminator. I'm pretty sure that's the only professions that exist in this world. It's all you need. <laughs> but anyway, so now everyone's escaped. Everyone is heading to the town hall because that's where Potter's going. He wants to go to the the demolition department. And did you notice who else yeah. is at the town hall, just guarding the door? Just Hitler. Was it? <laughs> There's a man who is the fucking spit of Hitler, just stood guarding that <laughs> city hall spit door. Of Hitler. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. So are you talking about the guy who's standing outside who tries to block yeah. Jeff the exterminator from getting in? Yeah. He's dressed very. Yeah, it's kind of it's a, guard, a strangely but... Germanic-looking building compared to everything everything else we've seen in this world, and yeah, Hitler's there. But then, as we go inside <laughs> the building, everyone's still wearing these weird, wearing these weird grey military-style uniforms. Yeah, like even the working there, like the women are wearing like the weird military-style <clears> hats <throat> and stuff. It's all very odd. Yeah, she has like a grey sort of power suit on with big shoulders one thing i wanted to point out speaking of the entrance so potter manages to get in fine they try this guard tries to stop jeff because presumably you know this is a fine establishment and you're an exterminator we can't let someone like you in you've just let a guy in who is coated in cheese (laughs) bright red covered in cheese well it's like um, that's a sign of wealth in this world yeah like in our world, we'd order a, a lovely, sexy lady covered in sushi, but they've only got sweets and cheese. So you get a big man covered in cheese <laughs> man. to come up, and you all suck it out of his suit. <laughs> this man must be loaded. He's wasting his cheese rations on just pouring it on his head. <laughs> this guy My can God. bathe in his this cheese. Man is, this man is covered in a month's worth of cheese for a small family. <laughs> Let, Fuck, how through, is this sir? the joke for this episode? <laughs> So here he speaks to the receptionist, asking for yeah. uh, directions to... To the demolition department, or yeah, whatever a, the equivalent should thing be. here, yeah. Yeah. So, oddly, because everything else you've said so far tracks for me in this movie, this bit is the biggest curveball, 
Why is this woman doing a Jim Carrey impression? It's very Ace Ventura. Is that what she's doing? <laughs> yes. She's doing these big movements and she's trying to do See, his voice for sure. I wish I could play a little clip for you here, but I didn't take it. It's so odd. The actress is uh, Ruby Wax, who was quite yeah. famous about 20 years ago in England. And she was like that, to be fair, just all the time. Um, okay, I did not recognise her. So yeah, like you said, this receptionist, Ruby Wax the receptionist, gives, because he's such a dickhead, she gives Potter these convoluted directions that send him all over the building. Uh, and then the good guys chasing after him, she gives very straightforward instructions, get into the lift, head to the top floor, straight in front of you. So they are able to head him off, set up a little uh, trap that he springs, and sends him into a supply closet, which they then lock, and the borrower family descends onto him, ties him up, gets him good tape round, like mask, uh, like uh, electrical tape all round his head, locks him up, grabs the will. He just breaks free, and now they have a way immediately, very easily. <laughs> Great joke. Well, that's the thing; they don't have a way because he breaks free immediately, very, very gently tenderly takes them off each shoulder, scoops them up, and, yeah, just delicately places them on the floor. Again, you're trying to kill them. Pop their head like a spot. It would take you <laughs> less than a second. So easy. Their bones are hollow. <laughs> right now, they're all in his hands. He could squash them like a packet of crisps. So easy. Yeah, but he's got cheese whiz to lick off those fingers in a bit. You can't go wasting that. Oh, but he puts them under like a an upturned bin and again grabs a vacuum cleaner with the power of a hurricane and starts bringing it across the floor to them. Because they're German-made. Well, yeah. Powerful engines. It pulls it across the floor to them and it looks like their time is up. Until the fucking borrower army descends. The resistance is here. Mm. They are dressed like the SAS coming down those <laughs> ropes from the ceiling. The fuck... The first ones up, the first few, so a few borrowers come down from the uh, the ceiling fan and tie him up. Gulliver's travel style, there's the callback Mm. to earlier. And then the rest of the borrowers, hundreds of them, flock in wielding pitchforks and dressed in rags, (laughs) like a peasant mob. (laughs) The resistance is everywhere. They're fighting the aristocracy, aren't they? Yeah. I think there are two important things to note here. Number one, this supply closet is full of something that's called... Pure manila toilet paper. When manila paper is the stuff that you get given to draw on when you're in nursery class. Uh, <laughs> it's the stuff that yellow envelopes is made out of. As yeah. Well. You do not want to be wiping with that when Oof. all you eat is cheese whiz and sweets. <laughs> Imagine the paper cuts. <laughs> and number two, all borrowers are ginger. So oh, well, I have a point yeah. about this. Well, they're inbred, aren't they? Because not only yeah, are they obviously. ginger, not, no, no, I'm not drawing that comparison. They also look fucked up. When they take their masks <laughs> off and it's his mates from when he was younger and they all lived in that same house, the one guy's face who is Dust Bunny <laughs> is the same as that guy from the Goonies. What's his name? <laughs> Sloth. This is, this Sloth. is an actual actor yeah. who you're talking about. Well, bad luck for that guy. Well, He's a monster. As is this character he plays. In this universe, are gingers the subjugated people, then? (laughs) I haven't seen a ginger human in this. That's true. Uh, Well, there's Mr. Weasley, who plays the exterminator, but his head is shaved. But he is naturally ginger. But they wanted him to look less inbred for this. Yeah, are we saying that 
this is a world where all the gingers were subjugated and they had to inbreed until they just started shrinking. <laughs> smaller and smaller now this because of all the recessive genes. <laughs> all the recessive genes compounding until they ended up four feet, four, four inches tall. Oh, you're the biologist. Does that sound possible to you? That's 100% possible. There you go. I wrote it's our greatest movie here. theory yet. I want to share with you... Um, this is what a species looks like when a gene pool is less of a pool and more of a drop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Oh, that's good. Uh, I just want to say, I do not think that redheads are inbred. I was referring to that one guy who I definitely thought was wearing prosthetics. I'm sorry if that is your real face. <laughs> sorry about the face, in the words of Hugh Laurie. <laughs> was the cream for that <laughs> oh yeah the army is here somehow spiller has returned even though he was dropped in a burning somehow. oil we saw a puff of smoke go up as he was <laughs> dropped in there but he got away somehow pod is lifted up on a platform and he gives a, a speech to the army that's around him and mm. to potter and then as soon as they see the door handle turning, the door opening, they're gone in a flash. Yeah. Instantly, the entire room's cleared, the ropes, the, the, the strings are off him, and they vanish with superhuman speed. For the third time, Hugh Laurie's back. The Gestapo's here to serve justice. Uh, they've now got evidence, very weak evidence, but evidence that he has been committing yeah, the boy in- inheritance fraud. Pulls it out of his pocket. <laughs> And hands it to the police officer, and that's all he needs. Sorry, the Gestapo officer. And that is mm-hmm. just the single odour he needed to put this rich guy in prison. That's the only thing they needed. He's, I when mean, this guy has just been faced with a miniature army, so he's broken. Yeah, he's, oh, he's he bad. is. I yeah. mean, psychologically destroyed. He's just babbling at this point. When you consider, like, what happens to people in dystopian worlds like this, I don't think Pete's the good guy for going to get the police, to be fair. <laughs> no, he's no. not. This guy's dead. Or he's going oh, away forever. Yeah, yeah. This guy's, he's going into room 101. He is, uh, he's either getting re-indoctrinated or he's lining up, isn't he? Maybe that's why <laughs> next time we see him at the, in the after credits, there's just nothing there anymore. Maybe well, that yeah, process I mean, has begun. So cutting past all of the, you know, they, they moved to the, they moved back into the old house. The family are no longer social pariahs. Don't know why they were before. But they're not anymore. They got friends around. Happy ending, I guess. And then we, like you say, we get a during credit scene where we see Potter in the police station, and he's explaining in kind of stuttered wording what's happened to him to the best of his ability. And he's got an entire room of police officers, Gestapo, howling in his face with laughter at every word he's saying. And I guess that's what we take to be justice. Yeah, we've, we're supposed to be happy that this guy's been caught, uh, but it's not framed in any sort of way that makes you feel good. It's pretty horrible. Yeah. This whole thing has been horrible. Thank you, And that's Sam. just the end. That's it. <laughs> yes, and now it just ends. Isn't everything good mm-hmm. again? Well then, shall we... I've written bad trivia there, and that is not right, and that's how I get it wrong every time. Do you have any well, bad reviews for us, Sam? I'll... Drop a couple of bad reviews on you. A couple of people who weren't too fond of it. Got two stars from the Delaware said, My favourite part was when the guy said, Say cheese to the bad guy. And the bad guy got covered in cheese. And then the bad guy slipped and fell in the cheese. Then he got up and he said, Cheese. (laughs) 
Which, yeah, was one of many very weak jokes. Yes. In this. That whole thing relies on there being a camera in the scene, and there is not, other than the one no. we are watching through. But, yeah. Oh, this is a totalitarian society. There are plenty of cameras in there. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's being monitored. Um, and the other one is left by a picture of an apple. Two and a half stars said, I remember we were reading The Borrowers in primary school as a class and I threw up all over the book. That's it. That's the end of the review. <laughs> just going back to what you said about cameras being in the dairy. I just want to get out Big Udder is watching and we can move on. Oh. <laughs> oh. And on that note. Thank you, Sam. Excellent stuff. I was just going to say, well, they, they took what that boy did to that book and just made a movie out of it. Uh, and that'll lead us nicely into this next Basically. section. Uh, Sam, so you think that was good, do you? Honestly, I'm not even sure whether <laughs> I do. I think I do think that this is an iconic film. Mm-hmm. And I think that like the acting's really good. I think the casting, the cast is really good. And I quite liked, like you know, even Tom Felton and the other kids. I thought they did a good job. And I think the special effects, like we said earlier, were done really well. All the sets and stuff were amazing. But fuck all happened. Like, realistically, I know we've spoken for a long time and we've said a lot of stuff. A lot of scenes happened, but nothing happened. In a film about an entire society of miniature people hiding in walls, the best they could get is they move house. It's such a mundane plot when it could have been... I feel like it could have been done a lot better. So I think it was all right, do I? (laughs) But... (laughs) Didn't although now that I'm saying all this, I think the um the dark subplot of whatever alternate reality, alternate history this is makes it a lot better. I agree. I agree. Ed. After you, what about you, mate? I'll, I'll say, I think I enjoyed looking around the movie more than I enjoyed watching the movie itself. I found myself just scanning the background for more stuff to like corroborate my theory. So I had a lot of fun doing that, but. Yeah, what goes on in the movie? Not really much at all. So I'm going to say I don't think it was good, do I? No. But I urge everyone to go watch it and see what else they can spot that backs up this weird dystopian totalitarian thing going on. Absolutely. Quite fun. Just dig through. Awesome. And I'm tempted to rewatch it, even (laughs) though I know that I won't enjoy it. I... Completely agree. You've given me a new perspective on this because I missed all this the first time. Um, <clears throat> I hated this movie when I was a kid for obvious reasons. I do not like the tiny little monsters in it. It freaked me out now and it's still that then and it does now. But it's better than I remembered it being. The acting does, the actors in it do elevate it a bit for me. I, Hugh Laurie, Mark Williams, you're the British classics. I will watch this again because of what you've presented here, Carl. I think that'll be an interesting rewatch. But I don't think it was good. Nothing big happens in this movie. There's no real plot other than moving from plot A, uh, place A to place B. There's way too much time in the dairy and no reason ever to have gone to a dairy in this. I didn't get all the cheese stuff other than the fucking fantastic material it's given us. The dog, (laughs) the weird little people. No, I don't like it. No, fuck this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Squish them. I didn't expect my tepid take on it to be the highest praise it got, but there you go. <laughs> but I also recommend that people watch it because the new spin on it is 
far better than the actual movie is. But, but I say that because that must be what the movie is trying to tell people. There is that's that's not all there by accident, like we said. That is there. At least one person who worked on this film intentionally put some shit in. There's no way they got a prop machine gun without <laughs> someone having an ulterior motive. Yeah, great stuff. Oh, well, is that us done? That's it. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for listening. And thank you, boys, for joining me. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple or Good Pods and follow us over on Twitter at So You Think Pod. Join us again next week when we'll have struggled through a cinematic spit in the face that is Aragon 2006. Until then, <laughs> it's only borrowing if you ever give it back, you disgusting fucking monsters. And goodbye. You gaslighter. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Thank you.